Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book at least 10 minutes at a time. The next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. That's right. And this is where the author of Hebrews, the pastor, Paul, is going to get deeper into his transition of the new priesthood as exemplified in Melchizedek. And it shouldn't be a surprise that all of this continues to lead to Jesus. All of it. It's like that joke in the uh, the Sabbath school. You ever hear that one? Where the teacher says, hey, what is small, runs around on all four, climbs trees, eats nuts, got a fluffy little tail? Like, what is it? Jesus. And the... the <laughs> It sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before. No, no. But how like you can never have a wrong answer. Just say the word Jesus and you'll be all right. I've seen the meme where it's like, what's uh, on the test? Uh-huh. Like, two plus two. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is always the answer. Exactly. Right? Yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly where we're headed. Uh, but the background is a little bit. Um, how do you make the connection between what? Uh, Hebrews 7, 1 through 10 is actually talking about Mm -hmm. and connecting it to Jesus because the connective tissue, the callback is directly back to Genesis 14. Yeah. So it seems like what what, uh, the author of Hebrews is doing, he's basically taking everything that the Hebrew community likes and says, yeah, that's super cool. Remember the cool time when the thing happened and yada, yada. But Jesus is better. Yeah. And so right now he's pointing to this guy, Mekilzadek, who, if you haven't heard the story, check back to season three. We mm-hmm. do a whole bunch of episodes on the story of, maybe not a whole, but we do some episodes. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did Genesis. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I found interesting about the way that he's positioning Mekilzadek is mm-hmm. that he's positioning him in a position of authority mm-hmm. when compared to Abraham. Because mm-hmm. I guess the idea is that the baseline is Abraham's the dope. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's the best because mm-hmm. he's Father Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's the reason why this, this whole nation exists. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yeah, but remember that one time where. He went around slaughtering a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. 
And then he basically paid homage to this guy, mm-hmm. Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the background here is that in, I think, Genesis 14, is it? Yeah, that uh, Lot gets basically kidnapped <laughs> by, you know, certain kings. You can also read warlords of where uh, Lot is in, in Sodom. And Abraham's like, uh, 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 uh. Not my family. Not my family, right? So he gets him in about 318 of his trusty men, and they go out and they basically rescue Lot, right? And after they rescue Lot, they go to war with some of the kings. And uh, verse 17 of Genesis 14 is that they return from the defeat of uh, Cheodor Laomer. I, yeah, let, let that be an happening. encouragement that even with advanced degrees in Old Testament, still don't know how to pronounce the names. No, I probably knew how to pronounce it once and you forget. And it's like, <laughs> you know, that guy. Um, this is verse 17 of Genesis 14. Uh, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom and the, uh, the king of Sodom, they went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. First of all, who is this king Melchizedek? Huh? Where did he come from? Where did he come from? Yeah. Why is he bringing bread and wine? The, I think the analogy you used, if I remember back to last season, was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. The oh, first yeah. time he's introduced in A New Hope. Yeah. Just like this weird, random hermit who just comes out of the desert. What 100%. are you doing here? Yeah. So what you see is the fog, the haze. And out of the fog, you see the silhouette of a figure. And that figure emerges fully in flesh. It's a person. It's this man, right? And for a new hope, it's like the figure of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm not sure that's quite how it happened, but this is figuratively speaking. It's the same thing that's going on with Melchizedek. And he emerges and he brings bread and wine. And he is just this enigmatic figure who appears out of nowhere. And he seems as though he takes priority over everyone, right? He blesses Abraham. He gives him bread and wine. And then Abraham apportions a tenth back to him hmm. right and so it is the the author of hebrews is like it is clear that this person has priority because the superior blesses the inferior and then the inferior hmm. gives tithes back to yeah. the superior yeah and then the author of hebrews takes it a step further and is like so in a way we can say that levi who was in the loins of abraham Pay tithe to Melchizedek. And you're like, what? What what, what are you trying to do? That, that feels like when the pastor draws a connection here, there's like, that feels like a little bit of a stretch. Like, okay, yes, yes, Levi's in the loins in this yeah. sense. Like, okay, but the point is, is that like Abraham's really big. Yep. He's a big figure, big deal. Uh-huh. Levi, big deal. Big deal. Levi, Levitical priesthood, yep. all these things. And yet, Melchizedek is more important. So, Think about this. You got the figure of Moses, yeah. right? You have the figure of, you got the angels, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So the way that the author of Hebrews is doing, he's hitting on every single sort of sacred cow, as it were, yep. that the Jews are going to hold in high esteem. In the time of when the book of Hebrews is written, there is this idea that there is the worship of angels, right? So Hebrews begins with a superiority of jesus over and above the angels Hmm. also there is the high recognition of moses there is jesus is better than moses okay we just hit two of the sacred cows pew pew all right (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right then next you have uh jesus as actually better rest than the sabbath than the sabbath was big deal right you remember the sabbath in jesus own ministry mark chapter three mark chapter two who is lord of the sabbath Mm -hmm. so now you got moses you got 
angels. You got the Sabbath and you're like, woo, 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 where are we headed here? Oh, well, where we're headed is straight to the very heart of Israel, which is the sanctuary service as localized in relationship to the Levites, right? Mm, Okay. The priests. The high priest, right? You got the high priest. Now in lieu of not having a king, like the high priest is this political and uh, cultic, think spiritual leader, mm-hmm. right? Not cult in the pejorative sense. No, yeah, cultic in the sense of rituals and regulations that organize the people, the whole culture. And so the high priest is this huge figure, right? So you got. So people are seeing this coming. They're like, don't you? Like, you did that one. You did that one. Don't you dare go and touch this next one. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think um, maybe a a point of reference. I'm not sure of or. or an analogy. I'm not sure if it follows, but I'll give but, it a try let's anyway. Try it. Right? So think about as we try to build a more perfect union in America. Okay. We try to present some modern day politician, right? Sure. Some Johnny come lately. And we're like, this politician actually embodies everything that we were about from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So take any modern politician and you begin to refer this modern politician as way better than his financial ideas are better than Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. His political savvy is even better than Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. His importance to us is even greater than those of our earliest and greatest presidents. Think number 16, Abraham, better than him. Number one, George, better than him. He has within him the fullness of what the Constitution is actually about. So we need to listen to him, right? Yeah. If you get to this place, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow your roll. You're treading on everything that we hold dear, everything that is the literal foundation of our entire society, you're saying that this guy's got the keys to all that. He was the one who coached all of them. Yeah. Yep. And then to pull the author of Hebrews is pulling this one figure from the Old Testament in this just really bizarre exchange with Abraham and saying this. Yeah. This is what it looks like. Because Melchizedek, remember, Melchizedek just appears yeah. out of nowhere. Bread and wine out of nowhere. And then as soon as he appears... He's, He's gone. Gone. Yeah. So it's one thing to compare uh, Jesus to earthly figures. Like they're, it's already like a, a big deal. Like they're they're, they're going to have to think about this one for a little bit. But now to compare him to someone who has this mythology behind this, yes. this 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 borderline, if not actual, supernatural kind of influence and prowess. Like that's like taking it yet another step. Further. A whole another step. And then w- one of the the key things about Melchizedek is back in Genesis fourteen. Is verse 19. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, right? Brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. Hmm. So that this figure who seemingly has no relation to Abraham, he is not like biologically part of Abraham's family. Ooh, he stands outside of the inherited promises that Abraham and this the Levites would enter into. 100%. So biologically, he's outside. He has a different level of authority. And secondly, he does not participate in Abraham's call of faith. Huh. Right? So think about Romans. Sure. When Abraham is the father of the faith, but he's the father of the circumcised and uncircumcised, hmm. precisely because he received the promise 
right? Before his circumcision, his circumcision is a sign of that which he received by faith, right? But then Paul in Romans 9 through 11 is pretty big on, hey, I wish that my kin, right, after my genealogical kin, biological kin, my family, my people, the nation of the people of Israel, right? So you have on two counts these, this group of people that emerge from Abraham. One, the people of faith hmm. who, like Abraham, believe and are accounted children of Abraham by faith, mm-hmm. which is the big one. But then you also have the people of Abraham by genealogy. Yeah. So you have these two that are being drawn into one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me think of those old, like, this is maybe a dated idea, but the idea of, like, there's God, there's an umbrella, then yeah. God, there's the man with the umbrella, then, yeah. like, like there's a super, like, there's a, a level of authority one over the other. Abraham encompasses both. Yeah, 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 right? So Abraham encompasses the point of Abraham. He encompasses the Gentile nations by faith, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. Abraham was literally a Gentile yep. that was then taken and made the first, right? This yep. is a whole other thing. And then... You have the nation that emerges from him, right? The yep. nation of the Israelites, the Jews, right? Man, we got a lot going on out there, yeah. right? <laughs> but Melchizedek is outside of all of that. Yeah. And being outside of all of that, he's called a priest of God most high. And then the author of Hebrews is going to point how he's part of a superior priesthood. Yeah. So you see how this is subverting the expectations of the listeners of this letter to the Hebrews where they think that their quote-unquote institutions, i.e. sacred cows, are the greatest, the best, the epitome, right? Whereas in Romans, Paul does kind of pay service to this where he's like, you got the oracles? That's right. Y'all you guys got the oracles of God. But now in Melchizedek, he's saying, but, but the oracles you- <laughs> are pointing to this other greater yeah, reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty – I think it's interesting because this maybe is not – like so much of their identity is based off the fact that they come from Abraham. And he's like, yeah, but like I taught Abraham everything he knew. Like, But Abraham is paying homage to this other dude. It's like in their minds, Abraham is the pinnacle yeah. of everything that – you could possibly hope to be. He's yeah. the example. Yeah. And yet in this moment, he is inferior when compared to, to the person in the kills of that. And Melchizedek, of course, uh, you know, there's, there's some literature going back and forth, uh, arguments going back and forth on what his name really literally means. Okay. Whether my king is righteousness or righteousness is my king or king of righteousness. There's, there's some different ideas. Um, but we know that a key part of what his name is is something king in relationship to righteousness. The mm-hmm. translation here in the ESV in chapter 7, verse 2, and to Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is by first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. Mm. So he's the king in, in reference to righteousness. So king of righteousness. Melchi, king. Zedek, righteousness. Melchi can be my king, Melik, and then the, the, the suffix. But yeah. That Melchizedek, it's about being a king in relationship to righteousness. So the story that's presented here is that righteousness is under the dominion of this king? What is is the picture that's being painted here with this name? Well, yes. Well, I'm not quite sure uh, ultimately where... You know the, the the where you actually land in relationship to the name, but if we were just to follow Hebrews seven in the ESV translation, he is the King of Righteousness, mm. right? So, the King in relationship to righteousness itself, right? Mm. It's a meaningful way, and he's also King of Salem, which is peace, right? Mm. Shalom, 
uh, the city of peace, Jerusalem. So he's the king of righteousness enthroned in the city of peace. You see the imagery here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's without getting like, oh, it's this versus that. Like, it, you see where we're going here, right? Yeah. So that uh, Paul and, well, Hebrews, the, the pastor of Hebrews is seeing that the figure of Melchizedek is pointing to something greater than everything that's come before. Moses, the angels, the and now the Levitical system and the sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, um, I think, I'm not quite sure how to articulate, and I'm not sure I have the deepest appreciation for how much of a subversion this is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like the whole system of this people, the whole history, culture that is around uh, receiving the oracles of God, the author of Hebrews is saying, yes, yes, yes. And yet it points to this figure. Right? Yeah. And so this is what he's introducing here. And it's, it's, it's not only is it going to get wild, but just in these first 10 verses, it's already starting to get wild. Because, I mean, look at the conclusion, verse 9. One might say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So he's taking the whole system and the heart of their culture, the heartbeat of um, their relationship to God as localized in the sanctuary. And he's saying, this guy, greater than all of that. Hmm. You know, in our community of faith, we are no strangers to the idea of doing like a month-long series yeah. uh, where you drink from a fire hydrant for X number of days. But to our credit, it's spread out over a couple of weeks or a, couple, or, or a month or two or something along yeah. those lines. Could you imagine being in the building when you read through this whole letter in one sitting? Yeah. And just like, yeah, like yeah. every single one of those dominoes is falling and you're just like, wait, hold on. How, like you can, you can't even like find your ground yeah. and then he moves on to the next one yeah. and to the next one. And That's to the next true. One. Yeah. If you're a, if you're a first century uh, Jew and you're learned in the things of Torah and the history of this people when you're reading this letter yeah it would be like it, it would make a lot of sense as to why on multiple occasions if this is in fact what paul is preaching as he goes from synagogue to synagogue while on multiple occasions he's chased out of town getting yeah. stoned yeah. getting flogged thrown into prison it's because he's literally attacking the bedrock of their foundation of their entire society yeah, and you'll he get... might only make it to chapter seven in yeah. some synagogues yeah. and he's gone and he's gone and i mean <laughs> and imagine when you get to ver- chapter nine here we he's go like, jesus body is the veil Huh? By which we've gone through. You're like, sure. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that's where we're heading. Yeah.